This week, we learned about Moses. We unpacked the story each day to uh, some awesome kids. And one day, we unpacked the Ten Commandments. Woohoo! Right? Woohoo! All right, so I'm going to ask you, and it has to be in the order. Okay? You know this, you got this. So the first commandment of the Ten Commandments would be. Uh, that's one of them. Wait a minute, I want to see hands, because let's just see if there's no hands. That Penny, you know what? That's the second one. Yeah, I'm not going to get down. We know the second one. Hold, I'm going to come back to you for number two. Number one would be worship one God. Yeah, this is God when I point up, okay? So let's try that again. Worship one God. The next one, very similar. Number two, Penny. There you go. No other gods before me. So bow down to no one but God. Do not worship idols. Number three. Come on. Number no hands. This is why we're going over it, folks. Brad. Yeah, good. Yeah, Brad. He's a Graceland leader, so he should know this for sure, right? Oh, Allison, my daughter. What is it? I think you're right. Yes. Do not. Can you tell she's my daughter? Um, do not use God's name in vain. There you go. Wow. Impressive. Okay, number four. Number four. They're all about God, right? The first four, they're all about God. Dan. Dan. Yes, rest and worship on the seventh day. There you go. Number four. Good job. Wow. Okay, so the next six are about how we love others, how we treat others. So that's a, a little hint for you. And number five is the one that parents particularly really, really like. <laughs> Honor your mom and dad. Honor your parents. Very good. Number five. Good job. Okay, so number six. I think Elizabeth said it earlier. Elizabeth. Thou shalt not kill. kill. That's kind of harsh, but yes, thou shalt not kill or hurt others. Period. Don't hurt others. Okay, that's a good one. Number seven. No one. (laughs) Come on, folks. Number seven. Justin. Yeah, that's a, there's another way to say that, that we teach them in Graceland, which is to be true to your spouse, to be faithful to your spouse. So there you go. But yes, adultery, yep, that's the same thing. Good job. Number eight, do not... Catherine, in the, I'm going to get, because she had her hand up, so, two hands up she's got. Catherine, what is it? Number eight, do not steal. There you go. Number nine. Come on, people. Do not watch. Cassidy! That's number 10. So, number 9. Number 9, Tim. Do not lie. That's a big one. Number 10, Cassidy. Yeah, do not wish for things that other people have. Do not covet. Good job. Give yourselves a... Well, some of you don't give yourselves a pat on the back. Like, really... 
folks, you need to learn these and in the order, too. It's helpful to know them in the order. Okay. So that was super fun. So shared that and had some fun with that because we're going to talk a little bit about Moses today. We're going to talk about Faith It Forward is actually the title of what I want to share with you this morning and the importance of passing on our faith to the next generation. So um, I'm going to just put my glasses on so I can see. And um, it's kind of beautifully rewarding when uh, we in the church can witness uh, parents, grandparents passing faith in Christ onto children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. Affording our faith in God is simply pointing them to Jesus. Children by nature are so trusting that to them it's the most natural and normal thing in the world to trust God. Children easily share with other children their love for God and their connection to uh, their church family. They make faith sharing seem effortless. And may we learn from them and become like children. In Mark 10, 14, when the disciples were preventing kids from being with Jesus, he said, don't stop them. Let them come to me, for the kingdom of God belongs to little children. We have many current examples today affording faith onto the next generation, and we can look inside churches and see those faithful families. And this is why being a part of a church family is so vital in our growing up in faith. We are uniting together as one in Christ to worship and thank God for who he is and to learn how to be in relationship with each other. And when families congregate together with other families to worship and submit to God's ways, we are experiencing the Holy Spirit power active and alive within us. At Pentecost, the birthday of Jesus' church, the Holy Spirit came to guide us and help us and speak truth to us about Christ and how to live like him. So let's just take a few, a few, a look at a few examples from the Bible to help us understand the importance of this. In the first book of Genesis, we read about Abraham and the promise God gives to Abraham is good news for the fallen people. For they had fallen and were living messy, messy sinful lives. Um, these stories can be our stories too. Through this one family, Abraham's family, God would bring his blessing to all the families on the earth, and that's us today. Abraham passed the faith on to Isaac. Isaac passed the faith on to Jacob. Jacob passed the faith to his sons, which became the nation of Israel. And Moses, who wrote the book of Genesis, also wrote Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible. And specifically in the fifth chapter of Deuteronomy, God gave the Ten Commandments to the Jewish people. We went over them earlier. But in the very next chapter, listen to this, this is good. The very next chapter, the sixth chapter of Deuteronomy, God immediately emphasized the importance of passing parents, passing his commandments to the next generation. And just before the nation of Israel entered the Promised Land, Moses said in Deuteronomy <clears throat> chapter 6, verse 1-2, here's what he said. This is the commandments, the rules, and regulations that God, your God, commanded me to teach you to live out in the land you're about to cross into to possess. 
This is so that you'll live in deep reverence before God lifelong, observing all his rules and regulations that I'm commanding you. You and your children and your grandchildren living good, long lives. He continues. I don't have it up on the screen, but hear this. Moses continues to say in verses 4 to 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Why? In Proverbs, one of my favorite verses in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And so many times our feelings get confused with what is right and what is good. Guarding our hearts means don't go after everything you see or desire you think you have to have. When you know God's words and commands, they will help you keep your eyes on Jesus and your heart protected from sin. We then further read, read in chapter 6, Moses saying in verse 7 to 9, right, he keeps going here. There's a reason. We need to do this. We write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts, get them inside of you, and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. This is scripture. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. Day and night, these commandments, written on our hearts so that we know them. And we can love God and love others as we love ourselves. God clearly tells us to impress God's commandments on our children. Why? Why? To teach them the difference between right and wrong, easy, uh, and how to live a holy life, and to honor God and obey their parents. His commands teach our children about who God is, and how much he loves us, and how we are to treat others, and why we need to give our hearts in worship to him. What we are teaching them is a faith that lives in you, and will live in your children faith it forward. How do we do this? We need to learn to listen to God and to talk with him. We need to trust God and his perfect timing, not our own. Sometimes we get in the way and mess it up. I know I do. We need to obey him. We need to walk in his ways. We need to be in step with the Holy Spirit. And we need to focus on a spiritual, holy life, not one with sin. So in the book of Ruth, this is one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's about girls. <laughs> and the book of Ruth is found after the law books in Joshua and Judges, and it's made up of only four chapters. But in this small book, we read about Ruth, who remains loyal to her mother-in-law, Naomi, after the death of her husband and in-laws. Naomi decides to return home 
to, her, uh, to return homeland of Bethlehem alone. However, Ruth, the daughter-in-law, insists on staying with her and adopting Naomi's God as her own. In chapter 1, verse 16, But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. What I find so fascinating about this is that at this violent and vulnerable time in Jewish history, Ruth, who is now a widow, and her mother-in-law was a widow too, is willing to leave home, her country and culture, to go with Naomi to a place where they will be strangers and completely alone, with no husbands and no view of a future. Ruth must have really loved Naomi and trusted her. Naomi, you see, was able to cultivate a spiritual value system and godly lifestyle to the point where Ruth was willing to start anew with her old, widowed mother-in-law. So when we're faced with a difficult situation, what do we do? Ruth's story happens during the time of the judges, a period of disobedience, rebellion, idolatry, and violence. Today can look like this. Yet even in times of crisis and panic and despair, there are those who follow God and through whom God works. And when the world, world seems hopeless and depressing and filled with consumerism for oneself, there are always people who will follow God. Are we those people today? In 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, we read about Jesse who passed the faith on to his son David, who became Israel's most famous and faithful king, a man after God's own heart, he's described. David's successes included taking Jerusalem and making it the national capital and reuniting the nation. In a 40-year span period, he controlled an empire that stretched from Egypt to Mesopotamia. David was a man of many talents. He was a shepherd, a poet, a musician, a warrior, statesman, an administrator, who set a standard for the later kings of Israel and Judah. Sadly, King David, with all his fame and all his accomplishments, fell into sin. How many times do we see that today? Celebrities, politicians, sports people, us. Yet the wonderful lesson from David's story was that his deep reverence and love for God led him to submission and confession to God. And this brought on hope, forgiveness, and redemption, which restored David's relationship with the God of all creation. The question that we need to ask ourselves is, how did David develop such a deep reverence and love for God? How did he do that? Well, we know and read that David's parents followed God's commands. And when David was a young, lowly shepherd boy attending the flocks of sheep day and night, he had opportune time to connect with his heavenly Father in an intimate way. We are blessed to read and sing about David's laments to God, where he at times is brutally honest about his fears, his concerns, and his pleas. But we also read the poetic prayers and prayers of thanksgiving to our Lord. The book of Psalms is full of David's writings. Faith it forward. 
And then when we get to the New Testament, (laughs) we read about a faithful couple, Joseph and Mary, who passed the faith to Jesus. Now keep in mind, Jesus is the Son of God. And uh, we, as Christ followers, recognize that Jesus was fully God and yet fully human. What's wonderful about this is that God had allowed himself to be born as a man so that he could live and suffer among us to serve as the perfect atonement for our sin and to offer forgiveness and salvation to all. We are also given clear examples of how Mary and Joseph forwarded their faith onto their their family. Big one, willing to be available for God. That's a big one. Being available. Putting God first. That's the first commandment. Submitting to God's call, even when circumstances seemed uncertain. Joseph had a lot of reasons to vacate, (laughs) but he didn't. Obedient to God and his commands over public scrutiny. They were more concerned about following God than what other people thought. They knew and applied Old Testament scriptures, and they took Jesus to the temple to be dedicated and received blessing from the prophets and attended worship services and religious festivals regularly. More than we do. So Jesus' birth, ministry, mission, death, and resurrection were foretold by the prophets of the Old Testament of the Bible and revealed to us by the writers of the New Testament. Jesus lived and walked among his fellow Jews during a time when the boundaries of the Roman Empire included the land of Israel. He preached and performed miracles for three and a half years until he was crucified by the Romans. He died on a wooden cross and was buried in a tomb, but his life did not end in death. Jesus Christ was resurrected. He rose from the dead, and because he was perfect, he is able to open the doors to the kingdom of God. And because he was sinless, he is able to forgive us of our sins, that we too can be accepted into the kingdom of God. Jesus makes it clear in this in John 3.16 when he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. And then we move forward from the Gospels. We read in Acts when the Holy Spirit came and breathed love and courage and truth and covenanting friendship over the early first Christians, the start of the Jesus movement, the church and how faith it forward has been impacting the world we live in today. We, the Church a Family of Faith, each of us created unique and with the purpose, uh, continue to faith it forward, seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance. When we are in step with the Holy Spirit, the words of Christ will be in our minds and the love of Christ will be in our actions and the power of Christ will help us control our selfish desires. And when this happens, the world changes. Communities change. Families change. We change. We can read these scriptures, spend time with God in prayer, and gather together as one family in Christ, in worship. We can faith it forward. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you um, for this time um, with my church family this morning. So many times we um, make mistakes or we don't put you first. And so we're sorry. Help us, God. Holy Spirit, come and fill us with your truth and your love. Help us to love one another. Help us to forgive one another. And so, Father, we also pray for those that are suffering today, for those that are confused, for what's going on in Texas and other parts of the world, God. We pray your Holy Spirit healing power for strength, courage, comfort. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.